we've got David Stearns in the green room, so he's going to join us in just hey, a sec. Hey, did you have somebody like that? Did you have somebody like that that you were in high school with that you still have that connection? You know, you can tell when Jonesy and Q, yeah, they both made the big leagues. They both had two different careers. Was there somebody for you like that in high school? Yeah, nobody. Some guy named Johnny. I mean, Johnny, like when you guys Johnny, are, were you guys that Hill. close? Johnny Damon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> heard of him. Heard of him? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's weird because I don't really – a lot of my high school buddies went on – most of them went on to, like, join the military and mm. went to college and kind of moved away. There's a couple – you know, it's, it's weird. But Johnny counts? Are you kidding me? How, how far apart were you? Johnny was two years ahead of me. Right. So? so I mean, we still live go. close and we still do stuff all the time together, so. Um, but yeah, listen, the, the, the high school minor leagues are more are like, to me, it was more minor league because we came up with a bunch of those guys in the minor leagues. So that was more of the guys that I still kind of are closer with than my high school buddies. Cause there's not really many high school guys that still live here anymore. Everyone's kind of gone away. So, I mean, Hey, we all have our, we all have our crosses to bear crabs. That's fair. Hey, you know what? I'm going to ask that question to our next guest, David Stearns, president of baseball ops for the Mets joining us right now. David, great to have you on here for the first time. Congrats on the gig, and we'll get into all that. Just curious, is there anyone that you grew up with that's either playing or working in the game that you have like a really long history of friendship with? You know, it's interesting. I, I my college roommate um, worked in baseball for a long time. He then got out of baseball, went back to law school. Um, you know, from like my childhood, probably probably not. Um, but uh, but you know, I think. Uh, you, you kind of grow up in the game. And so I think all of a sudden some of my best friends are, are those that I've met along the lines and, and, and are still are still around in the game. Yeah, I don't think Harvard's Harvard wasn't producing too many players during the time that you were that you were there. <laughs> hey, we got we got Sudie B. We got we yeah, got, we got I mean, Tudor. That but counts. Not, not while you were there. No, he's he's a little younger than I am. He's he's a little younger than I am, but we still claim him. All the all the smart <laughs> kids up there. We we, 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 we we still claim him. This is a tough act following Q Barry. That, that, I, that, I was going to ask you, him a question. I was going to ask him, one. like, what should we ask Sternsy? So I, I, I'm pretty sure he texted me, but let me read this. Why did you trade Hater? Wow, right off the bat. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that probably wouldn't be the first time that coaching staff asked me that question. So I, I've, I've gotten that one before. <laughs> no, seriously though, like in that situation, now you're in a new role. Yeah. One, what did you learn? One, how will you do it differently? And another part of it is, you know, how did how did that all come to fruition? Yeah, you know, I, I've as it probably wouldn't surprise you, um, I've thought about that transaction a lot. Um, I've thought about that decision a lot. Um, and look, what, what we were trying to do there, I think, was was thread a needle, right? We were, we were in a spot um, where we felt like we had a playoff caliber team. Um, we, we were also trying to set ourselves up uh, going forward. And, and um, we understood we were probably at the at the optimal time to to get future value back um, for Josh. Um, we thought we we're going to be able to do an adequate job of, of backfilling um, after we traded Josh and, and clearly we did it. Um, and uh, we made that trade. We were in playoff position and we ended the year out of playoff position that, that when, when you do something like that, 
um, it's going to hurt uh, and, and it stings. Um, and, and frankly, it should sting. So, um, you know, I think the, the intentions there um, were admirable. It, it was it was about extending a window as long as you possibly could. Um, but we didn't execute it well enough. I didn't execute it well enough. Um, and, and we missed the playoffs. Um, and, and certainly that stung. All right. Well, I had to ask the hard-hitting question because I really don't care what happened with Hater. Why the heck did you sign Re- Yasmani Grandalin and you fired me? That's the real <laughs> question I wanted to know. I wanted to come back. Yeah, yeah. For a long time, we thought you were going to come back too, um, and 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 then uh, and then Yaz uh, Yaz kind of fell through the cracks that for that that uh, that offseason. We had a chance to bring him in. Um, but you know, one question I have for you, Kratzy, if we can, if we can change the roles here a little bit is, you know, on, on the website here, uh, you're not in a brewer's uniform. And I'm curious about that. Like that had to have been among the most memorable stretches in your career. Right. So can we, can we get you in a brewer's uniform on the website? It was until January 18th when you signed Yasmani Grandal and then it became just another <laughs> Just another season. No, I don't. I don't. You have to talk to Claudia. She's the. She's the. Um, she runs the show. Okay. Choose choice, but that all all culminates into my next question. Right now, in this time of the season, yes, yes, Monty Grandel fell through the cracks. He needed a one year deal. Was looking to get, you know, a paid deal of sixty million, and he didn't get it. Now this is yeah. where we're at in spring training. I mean, spring training's coming. This is where we're at in the off yeah. season. How do these deals like come to fruition in the sense of like there's still guys out there that have one year deals that might be happening or they want 300 million, you know, and you're and you're in the market and you're in a market now where you guys have a little more cash. Yeah, so somewhere in the middle between a, a one year deal and 300 million. I feel like that's the bid ask uh, on a lot of players <laughs> when you get to when you get to this point in the offseason. Um, look, you know, every offseason runs at a different pace um, and they move differently and it can be tough to predict. And you never really know when someone who, who frankly probably deserves a significantly bigger contract um, is going to, is going to, to get a one year deal as spring training approaches. Um, and, and so you kind of just got to keep in touch with everyone um, and, and see what falls through. And you're right. We're, I'm fortunate to, to be in a market right now um, where we can take shots at, at certain times. Um, and certainly Steve, as an owner, um, has done that before. Um, we're certainly going to do it again uh, when, when the opportunities arise, when the time is right. Um, and so that's that's an exciting place to be. David, what was it like for you last year? I mean, you were officially a Brewers employee, but you really couldn't do anything. So what did you, you know, do? So I- what did you do? And then how long? And honestly... How long did you know you were going to be, be a Met? Because we all, it was already out there. Like, hey, David Stearns, he's the next president of baseball operates, operations for the Met. So were you like, was there a little bit of like, hey, the Brewers are doing this, and you're calling Cohen, and you're like, hey, watch out. The Brewers are thinking about doing this. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could assure you that was not going on. Um, so I had, I had this like unique, almost like a professional gap year. Um, where I was doing some advising for the Brewers, um, uh, and then uh, towards the the back half of the year, that kind of faded away. I did um, a little bit of advising in, in some other sports, which was really interesting to me. Um, I spent a lot of time with my family, which was wonderful. 
um, and, and got to travel a little bit at times a year that, that I normally don't get to travel. Um, and I didn't really know what was going to happen and where this was going to end up. Um, I didn't know whether the right situation was going to pop up for, for me and my family to, to jump back into this. Um, but as we got into August and I was allowed to talk to other teams, um, the Mets reached out. We had, we had some really good conversations. And then by, I guess, mid-September or so, um, we were able to agree on something. And, and I'm very fortunate and, and grateful that it happened. Didn't you grow up a Mets fan? Did you grow up a Mets fan? I did. I did. So is there I more pressure on you now? Because now you're yeah, the I mean, listen, I mean, so now your family will call you. Forget like yeah. your own pressure. Now your mom and dad yeah. are going to be like, hey, uh, David, uh, that was an awful signing. Um, yeah, sorry. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Love you. Bye. Yeah, I mean, people people warn me about like, you know, the talk radio in New York. You know, my, my like Thanksgiving dinner table is going to be rougher <laughs> than any talk radio um, than, uh, that you can find here. So. Um, sure. Like, but that's, that's the fun of this for me, right? Is that this is because I grew up here because I grew up a Mets fan. Um, there's a little bit more meaning to it and my family cares about it more and and my friends care about it more. And, um, and and you want to succeed even more because of that, because you know, all the people that this would mean so much to, if we get this right. Um, and if we're able to develop the type of organization that I, that I really believe we can. Can you take us through a little bit of the Yamamoto pursuit and the fact that did you feel like you were behind the eight ball because some teams were talking about how they scouted him for the last two or three years and you're just now coming to the Mets organization, which, by the way, feels like you've been the Mets GM for like three years now. But I know it's just back in October, but that's how it feels for me. I don't know how it feels for you, but did you take us through a little bit of how the Mets pursued him? Yeah, so I, I was fortunate um, that the Mets have done a great job of, of um, you know, scouting Japan and, and the Pacific market uh, in general. Um, I felt very well informed of the type of player he was when I showed up. I felt very well informed of the type of person. Um, and, and it's not like um, this was a player that just sort of jumped on the baseball scene um, for the last couple of months. This was clearly a very well-known player over the last couple of years. Um, and so while, uh, you know, I wasn't with a team previously that was likely to be, um, shopping in this aisle of the grocery store, um, I was very aware of who this player was and, and was tangentially watching him. And then when I got here, um, dug in as deep as I possibly could and, um, look, we, we gave it our best shot. And, um, I think as an organization, we did pretty much everything we could. Um, I thought it was a good process. Uh, fair process. And ultimately the player chose to go to LA, um, which we respect. Um, but we're going to go through these types of pursuits in the future. And there are going to be times where we land the player. Um, and, and that will, uh, that will certainly be exciting for us. Now, what about Alonzo? When are we, when are we going to have the presser? David Stearns, you're up there and you got a nice new number. What was he number 20 Jersey in orange and blue Pete? Congratulations. You're a Met for life. Let's set, let's set it up for tomorrow. Can we, can we do it tomorrow? Can you broker the deal? Sure, I can be in Port St. Lucie in about an hour and 45 right minutes. Now. You guys can broker the deal, and, and we'll set it up for tomorrow, and we'll be done with it. Do um, I get a cut if I broker it? How much, what's my cut? Ask more. That's Pete's decision. That, that's Pete's decision. Um, look, Pete. Pete's a really good player. Um, he's performed on a big stage here for a long time. Uh, I know that. We all know that. I know how important he is to our fan base. Um, yeah, I think what, where we are right now, where Pete is, is, is we're going to 
uh, everyone's going to focus on this year. Um, the best thing for us is is for Pete to have a great year. The best thing for Pete is, is for Pete to have a great year. Um, and, and then we'll go forward from there. Um, but we're certainly, um, you know, we're, we're certainly invested in trying to keep Pete a Met. Um, and I'm hopeful that that over time we'll be able to work that out. Now, you weren't here. You weren't with the Mets last year when they were getting rid of Scherzer and and Verlander. How do you go into spring training with this squad as a new GM and say and convince big league baseball players, hey, we still can compete. We can still win this thing. What is your what is your speech going to sound like when you give it to them after or when you introduce Mendy? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I don't think they need to be convinced. Um, one of the really uh, fascinating parts of my first couple of weeks on the job was talking to a bunch of our players um, and they were trying to convince me how good they are. Um, and and I, I was like, no, guys, like I get it. Like this, this is a talented group we have here um, and we're going to add to it um, and we're going to be a good team next year. But I, I think I think the guys who were on the team last year um, believe that that the group that was here last year and the group we have going forward um, is significantly better than what the win total from 2023 would would demonstrate. Um, and I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, I, th I think a lot of people in baseball would believe that as well. Uh, so I really don't think I have to convince anyone. I think what I have to do and what we as an organization have to do and what Mendy and our coaching staff has to do um, is provide the environment that allows all of these guys to be who they are and be as successful as they possibly can be. If we put all of our players in the best position to succeed, I think we're gonna have a really good year. David, I wanna go back to Pete for a sec. I grew up in the area. We've seen over the long course of the Mets that some players go there and it just doesn't work in New York. Pete obviously is thriving in New York and it takes something special. So my question is when you enter the org officially, did you do the homework to be like, hey guys, why didn't we offer him an extension years back? Because Corbin Burns just got traded from the Brewers. If they had offered him something in 2018 or 19 when you, you were mean there, if, I'm you sure mean if he was, would have offered him. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that that kind of stuff happens. You did it with Freddie P. And look at him. He's driving. He's a one. So at least for the homework purposes, did you guys look into it and say, hey, why didn't we have conversations like this back in the day when obviously the player is going to cost less? Yeah, so I think I think those are fair questions, and I think um, you know, I'm certainly not going to disclose past organizational negotiating history, but but I think over the course of any player's career, particularly a, a player who's had this much success, um, really from the moment he started his major league career, there are going to be conversations, and sometimes they get deep, and sometimes um, uh, they don't get deep, uh, but there there are going to be conversations, um, and and sometimes they line up, and sometimes they don't. Hey, you can go ahead and throw the Brewers under the bus. You don't work for them anymore. Listen, you can <laughs> they almost that. traded for yeah, him. Yeah, they almost traded you away. No, they almost <laughs> traded for Pete. Oh, they, oh that's also true. Yeah. They, they, all, they we thought Pete was going to the Brewers. There's a lot you of guys, You ought to be traded for each other. Stearns for Alonzo, straight up, in a bag of balls. Going to the Brewers. Uh, I mean, I, I always wondered that. Like, how does – okay, you, you've been obviously doing this job for a long time now. I mean, you're like 25 years old. You know, I get Stop. it. Stop. But <laughs> how do organizations determine the guy – is it basic, just based on the amount of thought that they're actually going to accept in a contract extension? Or is there a, is there a formula each organization has? I mean, because it seems kind yeah. of arbitrary to me at times. Like, why is this guy getting that? And there's another player – 
that's equally as good or maybe more valuable, but they don't get anything. Yeah, so I think it's, there are different organizational philosophies on this topic, um, and there there are different player philosophies. So I've um, you know I've I've, I've known players who um, you know, as soon as they established themselves in the big leagues, um, made it known that they wanted some security. They were going to value security, and they liked the organization. They wanted to be there for a long time, um, and sometimes that can spark uh, a really productive dialogue and a back and forth. Um, and then I, I've certainly encountered players who, who feel the opposite, who establish themselves in the big leagues and, and really want to bet on themselves through the arbitration process and into free agency. Um, and, and so I think guys are motivated by a little bit different things. Guys are comfortable um, with different things. There are some organizations that are willing um, to take a little bit more risk earlier in a player's career um, and some organizations that prefer to, to take a wait and see approach a little bit more. Um, to see what what players um, become during their their arbitration year. So I don't think there's a magic formula to it. I don't think there's a there's certainly not a, 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 a rule that's set in stone. I do think there's a lot of subjectivity to this. Um, and and ultimately, there, there are different player preferences. And you guys can speak to that better than I can um, about sort of just different wants and, and what is going to make a player and his family comfortable. Um, versus the the chase of going through the arbitration system and ultimately um, making it to free agency at, at the earliest possible point in your career. David, I have a question about balancing this year versus the future, which I know is a hot topic. So I'll focus on one position, for example, DH. There's really good DHs available. Maybe <clears throat> they fit the right price structure for the Mets this offseason versus some of the young guys like a Vientos, who's going to look for more playing time this year and looking back at, you know, some of the young Mets players that got PT last year, but that you want to see further develop. How do you balance that when you're deciding on a move still with yeah. a couple of weeks to go until, you know, really everyone's getting ready for spring training and there's a lot of free agents left? There, there are. Um, and look, you, these are conversations that we're constantly having internally, um, trying to figure out exactly what the right balance there is. I, I am a firm believer philosophically that we have to let young players play, um, that, that we have to allow young players to experience um, success and setback at the major league level, that that's how we learn, um, that that's how we get better. Um, and so we have to provide room on our roster for that to happen. And that's not only this year, that's, that's going to be going forward as well. We're going to want to have our young players who have performed well in AAA to have the opportunity uh, to perform in the big leagues and get meaningful playing time. Um, but you do have to balance that um, with, uh, with maybe a little bit more certainty on your roster, um, with maybe a little bit um, higher degree of reliability in terms of what the production is going to be. And we've tried to do that this offseason. Um, I think in certain areas of our roster, um, in the outfield a little bit, on the pitching staff, um, we've opted for a little bit more certainty. Um, we've brought in some more veteran players with track records, uh, guys who have had success in the big leagues in the past. Um, and then in areas on the position player side, we've opted for um, providing a little bit more room for our younger players to play. Um, and so that that's the approach we're taking right now. Um, you know, I'm like every GM or president, like you're never going to say never um, and, and you're always going to keep your options open. Um, but I, I do think uh, the right approach uh, is to ensure we have sufficient opportunity and playing time for young players um, broadly as they reach uh, the major league level. Okay. So you like the young players. When was the last time you texted or emailed or called Scott Boris? Because he's got some good <laughs> players. 
You don't have to say what you discussed. Just how recently was it? I, I think I think Scott is very good at keeping in touch with all teams throughout the offseason. Um, so certainly there, there's been uh, plenty of, of touch points throughout the offseason. Okay. All right. Speaking of another, I don't know if we're allowed to discuss this, but we had an, a manager on yesterday. Well, he's a former manager, and he used to manage the Mets. And uh, so can you, since you won't talk about former teams' uh, discussions, can you tell us why you got rid of Buck Showalter? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I hate you, Cratford. Why did you hey, it's here? easier from us. You're gonna get it in spring training. Yeah. <laughs> so, so a couple, a, a couple, a couple of thoughts there. Buck did, um, Buck did a tremendous job with the Mets, and I think, um, you know, that's important to know. And I think we've noted that as an organization. Certainly, I have um, uh, throughout my um, throughout my time here. The organization's better off um, for uh, for his time here and he managed one of the best teams in Mets history. Um, and, uh, and, and we're not going to forget that. Um, I'm also really excited to have Carlos Mendoza as a partner going forward. here, And, and I think Mendy is a really, really talented manager. Um, I think he's a really, really gifted baseball mind who has touched pretty much every area um, of baseball development and done so many jobs in the game. So, um, you know, Buck was was a, a very successful manager for a long time, including his tenure here with the Mets. Um, and I'm thrilled that that I get the partner now with Mendy going forward. Okay, so I, you, I'm listen. You can tune in on YouTube one to three Eastern every day. You'll get all the insight <laughs> on baseball. So you know you can subscribe. It's free. It doesn't even cost you any of that big money you're making. Okay, but Buck actually was very. He was flowing praise on the Mets organization for yeah. the way it was handled, and also on Carlos Mendoza. Let, Let's not. He 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 was. He could not have been happier for Carlos and, and what's happened and the way it was handled. So that was just. I just wanted to see your answer because you know one day when Kratz is a manager, I want to know what that conversation is like when Kratz gets fired <laughs> from the GM. <laughs> well, then Kratz he can come on the show and talk about it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I wanted to hear from a GM side. We got Buck side yesterday, so I want to hear from a GM side. Or sorry, uh, what is it? P- uh, Pobo. Pete Pobo. Pobo. Director are are people saying that, by Hobo. the way? I mean, it's being—it's like become a thing this offseason. Let's finish with that. Does anyone come up to you and go like, oh, are you the Pobo of the of the Mets? Like, people are using no. that acronym a lot now. No, this this would be a first. I uh, I, I have not gotten that. Uh, I have not okay. gotten that to this point. So maybe you guys it, can start it, a trend. No, it's been a trend. This offseason, I'm starting to see it everywhere. The P-O-B-O, like that people know what that means. So I'm telling you, you're going to see it now. Um, All right, David, we we appreciate the time, dude. Awesome having you on. Uh, we'll see you in spring training, actually. AJ and we are just a hop skip away. So he we'll... hasn't he's never been to Port St. Lucie. He doesn't know what he's in. For. I'm sure he has. You grew up in I've, I've, I've been there. And, I, and yes, I know what I'm in for. I can't wait. It'll be, yes. an, it'll be an exciting seven weeks. We'll be there. We'll be there in a few <laughs> weeks for a stop. I will come say hello. So Sounds good, guys. Uh, good luck, man. We'll see you then. Take care. Thank you. David Stearns, president of baseball ops for the New York Mets. That's good stuff. Hey, Crafty, I like how he swung it back to you for a sec. He's he's real, man. Like you 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 don't you you meet so many people in the game, and there's people who are real. There's people who are really talented, and when it comes together, like he is a really talented, smart person, Harvard grad, you know, a great high school in in Manhattan that he grew up in, like. He has everything and he has the communication ability. Like he has, 
he's able to, you know, give him a hard time. We can give him a hard time. We can, but also get real answers out of him. And I think that is something that Mets fans need to be super excited about that. This guy in a pressure cooker that New York is, is gonna be able to handle it because he's gonna be the same guy every single day.